And hello everyone. This episode is brought to you by agoda.com. When you are planning your next travel experience or vacation, please come visit us at crossfire.crusade.net for all of the tips and tricks and go ahead and click on the link for agoda.com to book your stay at one of a million plus fabulous places around the world for discount prices. And as soon as you sign up with them, you'll be you will start earning points. And those points can be used for future stays and it really saves tons of money as Khalif and I could tell you we have really enjoyed being customers and clients of Agoda and we're more than happy to promote Agoda as well so yeah next time you're planning your trip remember come see us click on the link and go to agoda.com Hello, hello, everyone. This is your girl, Jamise, back in the 2020. What was that? I'm excited. About what? This is our first episode of 2020. Well, don't date it like that, because we want people to still listen to it after 2020. But they will. I mean, we dated plenty of episodes, because we talk about things that are currently... Current? (laughs) You need to help me out. You didn't introduce yourself. And this is your boy, Khalif. There we go. Yay. (laughs) 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 Okay, now that was even worse. But what I'm really excited about is that we got some new recording toys for Christmas, and they're really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, I feel like this mic picks up everything. I think it does, but it also kind of, I think it blocks out a lot of noise. Well, I hope my voice sounds better uh, this year. I'm trying to develop a nice, you know, sultry, like, voice you want to listen to, you know. But I know that some people listen to podcasts before they go to bed. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that kind of podcast, you know what I mean? I listen to a weird podcast before I go to bed, so I think that's, um, it's not weird. It's just not something you should probably listen to to help you go to sleep at night. Well, on that note. <laughs> I know a segue, right? I know. Talk about weird things to go sleep at night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so today, um, we got a. I want to say we got a treat for you. Is it a treat? I think it's a treat. It's a treat. It's a. It's a definite. It's a trick and a treat. A trick and a treat. Okay. And I don't mean trick like trick trick. I mean like turning trick. Oh really? No, because it's something that has been actually on my mind for a hot minute. You know what's interesting about us before we get started is that we have so many great conversations. Sometimes I'd be like, we need to record this, but you don't walk around with the microphone. And Khalif is a perfectionist, so I don't think there's any way that he could edit down a little iPhone recorded conversation that would could. be to your liking. You think so? I probably. I could. mean, we do have some good conversations though. Real talk. But um, on that, but the one Let's thing I'm trying to say. Let's get started with one of the ones that we uh, been discussing. I guess ad nauseum for quite a bit. Well, the whole point is, is that um, I am for those who don't know. Y'all hear that? I use some Latin ad nauseum. I'm smart. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in graduate school right now, and I'm taking a master's course. Because he thinks he's smart. Oh, I am smart. 
And so the whole point, what I'm trying to say, or just jump into this conversation, mm-hmm. is the fact that yes. ethnic identity. Yes. Because in this master's course, as some may know, I am a teacher. Yes. So I'm getting my master's in TESOL. And we're talking about multiculturalism. And it's heavily focused on the United States because this is where my graduate program is. But I teach abroad. Yes. So the class was very unique in the way that I'm the guy who has to be understanding of the culture that I actually live in in reverse. Right, because you're the outsider, per se, coming yes, in. Yes, I'm the outsider coming mm-hmm. in when instead of being the migrant who's moving to a place. No, you are the migrant. Well, no, I mean, like in America, okay, moving mm-hmm. to America. America. Mm. Or as my students say, I'm Ricky. That's what they say. Yeah, that's how you say American in um, Emirati Arabic. Oh, no. They they use too much of the local language view. I never even heard that. Hey, ask your girls next time. <clears throat> but so with that, with this cultural exchange, mm-hmm. it came to mind and it was talking about identity. And we we were asked the question, is race real? And, you know, we've been over this. We had a podcast about this where we defined it, talked about how it came to be, what it was all about. So we're not going to rehash that, but I think maybe you should check it out in, in the notes. We will we will put it there uh, to explain the difference between like race, ethnicity, nationality. Here's what I will do. I will go back and put the link for that podcast on our website. No, it's already in the website. I'm talking about on this page. Yes, yeah, so the page for this one on our website. Am I, am I correct? Is that how it works? Or or what do you mean? No. I'm I sorry. Mean, I'll, let, I'll let the tech guy explain it. I'll be quiet. No, what you said was put it on the website. I'm trying to say I'm going to put it within the description for this podcast show. Oh, yes, yes. That, so that they will have yes. access to it. Mm-hmm, that's what I was suggesting. Absolutely. Because so I, I don't want to rehash all of that. Oh, because um, it was very long. But mm-hmm. I guess this would be more like a addendum if you will an update basically because now we do have some extra 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 insights and some some of you may know or some of you may not know that we have dipped our toes into the african continent and have been to a few nations and hope to go to more uh this year and uh and made some international african friends right and so being between the arab and african uh cultures and continents you know and middle east where it's like it's so many different it's a hodgepodge groups that we are in contact with all the time it's interesting to see how it's different how it's the same you know and how americans i guess could relate or connect to that experience or lack of per se and so the first thing i would like to ask our listeners mm-hmm and this is for all my black Americans, and you may hint, you may get while I'm saying black Americans in mm. a minute. Mm. Or if you listen to the previous show, you understand why I'm saying black Americans. Did we talk about that in the previous show? I believe so. And if not, I, I forgot will... what our previous show was. It was so long ago. Yes, it was. But My goodness. But if not, I can quickly recap. But with this question, is there a, is there a single black identity? Or a single identity for black Americans. Yes, and I know you guys are probably like, oh my god, they talk about black stuff so much. But I'm black. <laughs> you gotta talk about what you know. <laughs> but it, um, 
of course, this is for everybody. We always want everyone to be educated. Well, and once you understand, I mean, we all know, because I know my listeners are very worldly and intelligent. And um, Well, let me ask this question. Okay, yes. think about it. From your own ethnic background, is there a single identity for Mexicans, Blacks, Chinese, What do you mean a Asians, single identity? Single identity, like one mind, one voice. This is what we want. Well, of course not. Everyone's individual. I mean, this is what I was trying to get at. Mm -hmm. There isn't, because I remember in South Korea, a woman asked me, what is the black opinion of this? And I was like, excuse me? What do all black people think about this? And I was, what, and I kept. What person at? No one ever says it like that. Uh, well, she was a Korean woman and English wasn't her first language. So she was trying to ask me. Mm. something very specific mm -hmm. about Korean culture and how did black people feel about it. But she, the way she worded it, because she didn't want to sound offensive, was like, how do black people, what is the black idea about this? And I was like, what do you mean? What do all? And she kept, and I kept getting her to clarify because I didn't fully understand or how to answer her question. Well, she was coming from a background where, you know, they're all one Korea, yes. basically. Korea is actually, we've talked about this before, they're basically one ethnic group. Um, so, you know, speaking, of course, they all ha are individuals as well. But speaking as like, like kind of like what, what the Koreans as a whole, how do they address this, you know, kind of thing. Because there is there's some um, consensus. It's just societal, though, right? Like, you know, we could say, as a whole, there are some things that certain ethnic groups can agree on uh, just based on their experiences. Like, I think that uh, most black Americans could agree that there has been a, a definite uh, divide in the systematic racial issues that have kept them from being all that they can be. And these are things that are outside of their hands, a privileged system that they're not a member of. I think most people could across the board if you're american could agree with that i was trying to get her to clarify so i can understand how to answer her question mm -hmm. but when she kept saying what do like she wanted me to speak about every black person and i said i can't do I that i think she just meant like in in general and i and know. i said you mean in general like I do can't. black people like president obama kind of thing but that wasn't the question i don't I remember exactly the question but i said what your question what you're asking me about is very specific and it may be individual individualized per person and i can't answer that question based but I can on tell your experience yes so i can tell you my experience mm -hmm. and she's like no not your experience i want to know what you what everyone might think and i said well then you need to do a survey oh. with this i always say there is we we have an identity, but it's more it's an identity that wears many faces. Well, I would first would like to say something controversial before we get really into it. But like, um, does the Black American identity exist without the White American identity? Can you can we be defined separate and outside of their experience? Is it a shared experience? And that's why we have a different definition of what it means to be a black American and what it means to be a white American. Actually, we did discuss this in class and it was very, it was a very heated discussion. Oh, was it? It was, not Ooh. from my side, but 
wouldn't you love to have been there in person? This is some of these things that, you know, when you're doing distance education, you miss out on. It's kind of like, I remember having these heated debates myself way back in the day when I was in, in uni at Baylor in a, in a class similar, but I was the only um, woman of color you know, and having to, you know, kind of trying to look for allies situation to support what I'm saying kind of thing. Well, the whole point that I was making and that I was, well, it was kind of everyone, hold up, was they, everyone was trying to say it does exist based on the situation. When you have a- What does exist? Oh, the black identity. Oh, okay. Yes. Without the white um, counterpart. Okay. And, and I kept saying, no, it doesn't, because mm. without the major, without the op- white oppression, mm. black culture, black American culture does not exist. Hmm. Because therefore, when you take a, a group of people and you oppress them, cut mm-hmm. them off from mm-hmm. whatever previous line they had, they therefore will create a new culture based on the people that is within that shared oppression. Mm -hmm. Therefore something that you take a piece of coal and you put pressure on it, it becomes a diamond. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Well, I'm just saying, (laughs) well, no, no, I'm just saying, cause this relates vegans, the potatoes and potatoes. (laughs) And I was just saying that it's because with the fact that you have, because this is what in in a study in the group in the multicultural um, book in the textbook that we we're reading, it talked about how once you have a a group that's been cut off from that's supposed to be separate from what the majority is, and but they have a shared culture over umbrella culture like American culture, that then gets absorbed into the oppressed group and they develop their own thing. For example, soul food is something that is very um, I don't want to say unique, but it is definitely a black American food. So when the white slave owners or didn't want to eat the hog, the hog mouth or the pig feet. I don't even know what hog mouth. What are you talking hog about? Hog mouth. Oh, it's not like say hog. See, sometimes uh, Khalif's southern accent comes out and I can't understand him. Eating up all the hog mouth, the pig feet. No, ho- hog mouth. Yes, look it up. Okay. But um, but basically, all the things that chitlins, pig feet, things that the white owners didn't want to eat, mm-hmm. the slaves made a meal of it. Mm-hmm. The turn they ate the turnips, but they cut off the the green part. So then that became turnip greens became something that was slave food but then white the white man the way it was made turnip greens are good <laughs> this is what i'm saying so it became like they did, i don't think they knew that they could eat that part you know what i mean but i'm just saying they threw it away and mm-hmm. they were gave, they gave it to the slaves to eat and the slaves made a meal out of it oh, and now whew, it is corporate. something that is synonymous with mm-hmm. black culture turnip greens chitlins um pig feet other things i don't know uh I mean, maybe, I, I, I guess. I, I don't know anyone who ate pig feet. I really don't. I really don't. And I got folks who are from North Carolina. I, I've i I've tasted chitlins, but no one in my family makes them. But see, that's the thing. It's like, you can't you can't just put a, a label. See, already we have a, a, a difference because we're from a different um, 
part of the ethnic background, I guess. But let's get let's get down to it, though. We get a little bit off task. So the book, did you say the title of the book that you had used? Well, the title of the book is called Comprehensive Multiculturalism by uh, Bennett. And it discusses uh, many different theories and practices of how to become a better teacher and deal with teaching in a different uh, uh teaching different cultures and ethnic groups. Teaching two different cultures and ethnic groups, right? Thank you. Sorry, okay. teaching two. Mm -hmm. And how to make an inclusive classroom so everyone feels like they have a voice and they can't be heard. Okay, so what um, Khalif was explaining to me, and I had never heard these theories before, and um, is basically they had the three frameworks of ethnic identity development Um so we have the stages of white identity development, which was Janet Helms, and then by James Banks, the emerging stages of ethnicity, and then William Cross's theory of nigrescence, which is the Negro to black conversion experience. Um, I just mentioned those three. We're not going to really get into the Janet Helms and the, the white identity. We're, we're going we're gonna to leave that alone for right now. <laughs> we'll circle back to that on a later episode of course but for now we're going to focus on um what are we going to William Cross William Cross today which is the nigrescence am i saying that correctly Yes you are you're saying it's nigrescence okay. yes All right so uh why don't you just go let's just go th how many stages are there first of all Well for William Cross there were actually just Hmm. Sorry, five. I was <laughs> counting. Uh, okay, five stages. Sorry, I've been. I wrote this. I wrote this whole thing out, but it's been a while since I looked at it. I don't remember in the uh, intimate details. Intimate details. Yes, but William Cross, he is a African American psychologist at Cornell University. Mm -hmm. He developed one of the earliest theories of ethnic identity and has continued to develop and refine his work after over three decades so he basically focused on the black experience and how does one person go from being step one to step five mm. now the only difference between these other two frameworks is that they actually have six steps but william cross is at five but it, it may didn't it say also that this is not just for black Americans with any oppressed group, minority group? Yes, it does it go into explain that. It can be, it can be applied to any, okay. Mm -hmm. So some of the beauty of it is that um, it is a really interesting topic. And I tried to introduce this theory to mm -hmm. some other brothers and sisters, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't met with, it wasn't met with the acceptance that I guess it would have or it should have been mm. it was kind of overlooked mm -hmm. and most of the reason why i say that is because when you start talking about ethnicity individuals so if i said is race real and everyone immediately says yes all of a sudden i tell them no it isn't and try to explain why people hold on to this truth and i'm putting truth in quotes of what they keep saying is a racial identity which is not true. Mm -hmm. A racial race does not exist. Mm -hmm. Race was created by pseudoscientists 
in the early 1600s to try to elevate one group over another. And it was all differentiated based on physical characteristics. So, oh, if you had a, a pointed nose and pale skin, you were a Caucasian. And then you were a Negroid if you were dark skin, wide nose and nappy hair. You were Mongoloid. Yeah, I said Mongoloid, which meant Asian. Which is basically everybody else. Okay, so back to the... <laughs> so we're, we're really talking about the stages of nigrescence, though. So let's focus on that, because we've already I been know. through... I know, I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm warming up the band. Okay, well, with the warm-up is finished, let's get to the main show. Actually. So, stage one is the pre-encounter, okay? The pre-encounter is basically when... It, I, 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 Khalif could help me explain a little bit, but I think this is when the we're going to focus on black people. Remember, this is applicable to any oppressed group by a majority society. So it well, can be pre-encounter any. is this. Mm. It's basically it's your first encounter where you want to be accepted by the majority group, and you reject your original group. So you're seek. So for example, if you're a black person growing up in racist America, you're seeking to be assimilated or accepted by white america what we call some of you may hurt uncle tom's uncle tom <laughs> so because your behavior may be seen as anti-black or anti-negro and that is the that's the stage one okay the second stage is encounter, encounter. <laughs> we said that together and this is when i think you kind of i guess the wool drops from your eyes and you realize that you will not be able to assimilate based on the reaction of your attempts to do so by the majority party. And with that, let's give an example. And so, for example, um, you go to a you're you're a black person. You're trying to join a white frat. Mm-hmm. You're the token black guy, but mm-hmm. they really and and as much as they like you and they invite you over, you hang out. You're just not good enough to be a part of their frat. Or better yet. Um, you're a black guy who grew up in Bel Air. I'm, I know I'm I'm quoting Fresh Prince at this point. Hi right, man, check it out Netflix. <laughs> yes, where you 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 grew up in Bel Air. You you went to prep school. Mm-hmm. You're going to a UCLA or something, and you're trying to join a down for the cause black frat. Mm-hmm. And then you're rejected based on the fact that you went to prep school. You don't know what the struggle is based on the people who are critiquing you, if you will. I'm not sure that comes into stage two. I think that's that's a remnant from stage Well, one. I'm just saying it's an encounter, mostly because if it's, it's a cultural thing at this point. Well, maybe you see yourself as you're, you're hanging out with an all-black squad, and but these individuals grew up in the hood. You know, they grew, they didn't, they may have grew up in a violent area. They talk. Well, I think about, you're getting it. You're, you're moving into the stage three, like this, the immersion immersion, which is when the, uh, black work, black person wants to be in an all black culture. Like they want to join the all black fraternity that you're referring to. They want to be a part. They want to just immerse themselves and just go totally pro black, you know, wear what they think is the black clothes, listen to what they think is black music, be like, I'm down for the cause. You know, they go full on like, you know, 
Malcolm X kind of thing. Almost, and, you but know. the whole encounter part, I mean, sorry, the immersion part portion also goes where you're full on, you know, Farrakhan. Yeah, you may feel black rage and black pride at the same time. And so, and with this, you're trying, and with this immersion part, you're going through this whole thing, like, you're cutting yourself off, you only support your, what you say as your own, and I'm putting this in quotes, because this really applies, so if you could be Italian, and you moved to New York, and you move into a neighborhood where you're not really accepted, all of a sudden, you only want to hang out with other Italians, and you're really angry with the group of people that has rejected you. Right. And so in this situation, they would also, um, in turn, they would be angry at other black people who seem more accepting of what they consider the oppressor. Like, oh, no, you know, I have, um, for example, with interracial dating or marriage, they may be angry with, um, you know, black man who marries a white woman or a black woman with a white man, something like this, because they feel like, oh, you turned on your own kind. They they actually have animosity and discuss when discussing when you're in this stage the so then you you achieve uh there the next stage up from that stage four internalization okay and this is the individual internalizes his or her ethnic identity and achieves a greater inner security and self-satisfaction mm-hmm. and it may be characterized as the nice black person mm-hmm. with an afro hairstyle we all know this one. So basically, they're very comfortable with who they are, and they're able to express, you know, this is my own ethnic identity. I don't need to straighten my hair anymore, but I also don't need to be angry with with white people. You know, we can all, like, live harm- harmoniously. I can be myself. They can be themselves. Everything is, is okay. I'm, I'm okay. And the last stage, and before I get to this last stage, I do definitely want to say, um, the w- William Cross did say this isn't like a video game where you progress through the levels. You can but jump you around. Could. You could progress, right. but you also may jump around. You may have a great experience and then you may move into stage four. Mm-hmm. You know, you may try to get accepted by, you know, the other group. And then all of a sudden you, you have a great experience and you, you found better. Um, what's the word? Oh. I don't want to say better achievement. I, I don't know. I don't know where you're going. Um, basically, you 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 found your own purpose and your own cause, and you're very self-satisfied. Okay, that's still stage four. <laughs> no, no, no. I was describing like you could be jumping around. Okay. Where was I? We're going to stage five. Okay, could you check that out for me? Okay, the stage five is the eternalization and commitment. So in this stage, not it goes beyond stage four with just like, I'm just happy to be me, I'm happy to be nappy, whatever. Now you are like, not only am I happy with that, but I also want to inspire this in others, you know. And so I can now I'm going into more uh I'm more public about pro black movements. Like I'm more active and um Minority communities, I'm, a, I'm going to minority businesses and supporting them. I'm at marches, things like, you know, um, uh, the, for example, the Black Lives Matter, you know, I'm supporting Colin Kaepernick, you know, like all of these things, but without being violent, you know, this is, this is us being proud of who you are and also trying to inspire that and the others who may be, 
you know, at different stages of that themselves. You therefore you become you're not you're no longer the student. You become the teacher. Right. And you're trying to guide others to this harmonious feeling. Yes. That was some of the when I read this, I thought this was fantastic. Right. Because I'm going to speak about myself. Mm-hmm. I've been through stuff like this. I mean, I've I've touched every one of these. Every um, one of the stages. Every one. At some point in your life, you think you've been in all of these stages? Oh, almost definitely. Okay. Um, I could think about the time when I was a kid, and I found out, like, because my great grandmother, um, she was my great grandmother because she was fair skinned I used to feel like she got treated differently she was light-skinned because she wasn't african descent well that is true too (laughs) i mean it's true some people don't understand when you say fair because you can you can be white and fair or but or have more color so when uh auntie's friend usually is a lighter skin uh black or brown person a different ethnicity that could present themselves as being a part white but this uh yeah. So you thought she was treated better than you or better than Um she got away with certain things in the neighborhood, but that also could be due to her reputation in the neighborhood. True. True. Um she, she was, was very old well school. she was old school, very well loved. Mhm. And I but you know, as a kid Grand things. I couldn't I was trying to figure out the world around me. Right. And I just saw like how she seemed like she had things going for her. So is that her, like a stage two? Possibly. <laughs> um, but I did go in my teenage years. I did go all pro black. Did you? I don't think so. I I, I didn't I did see that. Honey. Oh, man. I, oh, you didn't know me then. I, I, I know, but I the stories you told me and the group of friends you ran with and the people you dated, I would say no. I did. It didn't last very long, but the hatred, Five the minutes. anger, but the anger was still there. Oh, okay. okay. In middle school, I was wearing cross colors. Everyone wore cross colors. Oh, but no, but I meant I was proud. I wanted the African medallion. <laughs> I wanted to, I was growing my hair out. My mother said, I don't want that in my house. Mm. And you couldn't tell me anything in sixth and seventh grade. Wow. But then. Do you know what kicked that off in you? Do you, do you, can you the think Malcolm of an X incident? Movie. Okay. But okay. I also, what, the one with Denzel? The one with Denzel, and oh. I read the biography. Oh, so that's, and so then you went like, I'm uh, pro-black. Pretty much, okay. by any means necessary. Okay, okay. That's pretty funny, because, you know, I went through this phase when I was in grade three, so I was about seven, seven or eight, and, um, yeah, that was pretty hilarious. I I had I had read Roots and and watched the movie, and I told my teacher her people oppress mine, and I was not gonna say the Pledge of Allegiance ever again. <laughs> Still on the wow. desk and stood up for for me and my people, and I'll give I'll give um Mrs. Stein credit because uh, she kind of she took it in stride. She was just like I think you you gotta do some more research, Jamise, on the history. And uh, your father is in the military. And what would he think about you behaving like this? And I was like, he would support me. <laughs> and I had pictures of Jesse Owens. You know, I my my parents were very, I think I said this before, they're, they're very proud black. I guess they were, um, by the time I came along, they were pretty much 
they were stage four, but they had been stage five. They've been more active, but then they had to slow it down a bit. I ventured through any all of these. I mean, through middle school, yeah, I was very pro-black. Through high school, I started to try to really accept who I was, but that was really hard because I had to learn to accept things about myself and my family. Like? Well, I mean, okay, when we're all kids, uh, maybe not for you because you kind of, when you were young, you kind of had that expat experience, right? Yeah. But for me, growing up in Houston, in an all uh, primarily black neighborhood, you kind of wanted to be accepted by the group, mm. a part of the group. So you wanted, so you do the stupid things when you're trying to get the respect from the guys. But my grandfather's Mexican. And all of us, and everyone knew my grandmother, but they also knew my grandfather. He fixed some of their plumbing. <laughs> okay, so he was a tradesman. But they also, you know, I got a lot of crap for not having a black grandfather. That's so weird. Well, because, you know, well, everyone, like... I mean, I get a lot of crap that he was Mexican, but you said, like, not having a black grandfather. Well, like, I kids mean, knew other people's grandparents. I mean, you know. Well, we did. They just, you know, I mean, for him, he was probably really different. Well, no, he was. He drank all the time. He was all loud. I mean, mm -hmm. he kind of sounded like everybody else, but, I mean... Well, I mean, was he speaking in English? Nope, he was speaking all in Spanish, and he had a... And when he tried to speak English, he mm -hmm. had a really thick accent. Did he dress differently? Did he dress like a chato? What is it called? Chatos? You're talking about uh, vaquero? Yeah, I think California, they call him something else, but yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, no, I mean, when he... Oh, I remember when I met him, he had long black hair. He was wearing an all-white outfit, white shirt, white pants, cowboy cowboy hat and these black leather boots mm. and he had this bronze like red angel. skin and i said are you the devil the devil in all white what is wrong with you a weird little kid i've seen some i've seen some stuff and movies that i probably shouldn't have as a young child but that's not the point but it was just and he spoke he had an accent he was like hey y'all because everyone calls me jack in my family yeah don't call me that Everyone calls me Jack. So, but except my grandfather. You know what I mean, he does. But he's like, hey, Yak, Vin, Vin, hey, Yak, Vin, traigo una cerveza. And he would always bring him another beer. Bring him another beer. Mm. Or bring him a beer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, get up and get your own beer, man. But at the time, I didn't understand him. So I would just sit there and look stupid. <laughs> he never caught on. That's what he was trying to get you to do. No, I, when I finally did catch on, I would still play stupid. I mean, it says cerveza on the bottle. I know, but I just played <laughs> stupid. Oh, I see. You're just rude. Grandchildren are supposed to get drinks for their grandparents. I don't know, but he always used to compare me to other black people because it's the 80s. I had these loud outfits. My mom would always dress me in these crazy, crazy outfits, man. And he was like, <laughs> you look like Coco Biwa. Mijo. Mijo, Vin, you look like Coco Beware. Look, look. I think you have to explain who that is. Oh, Coco Beware. Look him up. He's uh, He was a... Uh, so Google him. Yeah. He was a... Well, search for him. Uh-huh. Oh, any search engine of your choice. Hello. Google's part of the English language now. Google it. <laughs> it's a verb now. He was a, pro he was a very famous black wrestler 
who mm-hmm. wore loud colors and had a parrot as a gimmick where That's he dressed hilarious. up. It, it is hilarious. I mean, I and look back at it Did he spell Coco like the chocolate, like C-O-C-O? Yeah. I mean, he was dark chocolate. Like, and, and beware, like, like beware of Tiger. Yes, but it was Coco B dot where. Oh, okay. Uh, see, now you guys know what to search for. <laughs> you could probably just search it up. WWF Coco Beware. And okay. you spell it anyway, black guy with loud colors show up. <laughs> so, and I know this bothers you because you've said this story to me so many, many times. And the one time I think you're telling me the story, a friend was listening in and he said, oh my God, that was my favorite wrestler. So he, he understood you were upset, but at the same time he was like, that was my favorite wrestler. I love that guy. So, <laughs> so it's um it's interesting, but I think so this again this identity this nigressus thing does apply. So you can probably um if you're a minority in the UK or other places, especially as I know I've heard these experiences talk, told to me by um Pakistani and Indian um British people who've had a similar experience. Um so I think it's not unique it's probably is universal um, when you are seen as the other when you are a minority in your country that you may go through all five stages or just stay in one or you know go up and down the stages and in between in any other kind of way uh, but I hope that everybody eventually gets to stage five and stays in stage five because we do need to remember that to be proud of where you come from and who you are and, and pass that down um, to your, your relatives and your community and continue to to promote that in others because we're all about, you know, there's nothing you can do about who you are. You are who you are. and um, But it's a reason we're all different. You know, we can't all be the same cookie cuts, and that's what makes life fun and not be a little cheesy. You know, but see, I, I just love seeing that, like, as a teacher, we can, you know, be amongst different ethnic groups and seeing how the the students interact and everything and what they bring to the table from their experiences and the different languages they've learned. You know, like they have Turkish and Urdu and all these languages I've never even heard of, you know, um, being in the U.S. You may not come across some of these languages, and it's just really fascinating. So, I mean, some of them speak um, Farsi. You know, you never hear Farsi. Uh, so I just think that. And they, they just, it's really interesting that we all have our unique experiences, but then can be from the same nation and have those shared experiences as well. But yeah, and that's the only thing that I was really trying to really get at with the group that I was speaking with about this topic, because I really wanted to understand where all this was coming from was in the last question that I would talk to you about. Uh, do you, and I probably spoke about this on a previous podcast. Sorry, I'm just fixing the volume. Yes. <laughs> um, what is your question? The final question. Um, as Americans, as well, I'm gonna just say this: as Afro Americans, let me just say it like this so I can set it up. As Afro Americans, would you rather be known as Black Americans or African Americans? And I'm asking you this. What would you like to be known as? Oh, you're asking asking me. I'm asking you directly because you're the only other person talking to me. Oh, right. But we'd also like to hear from all of you as well. And you can uh, respond in our website. At friendlyfire at crusade.net. Or send us an email to. I just said that. Oh, is that the email? 
Yeah, that would email. Oh, okay. Well, of course, the website. <laughs> but you could respond at the website on the podcast page at yes. crusade.net. Crusade with the cake. Spelled any other way is not as nice. So I'll answer this last question. I would prefer to be called just American. That that would be great. <laughs> but I mean, that would be great. But um, if I want to go down to my ethnic group, my ethnic background, I'm definitely going to go with black. Um, I have so much respect for uh, people who are from the African continent, African descent people, and African Americans. But I do understand that depending, they have a totally different experience than I do in a totally different culture. And I'm enjoying getting to learn that and what and, and all about that, but I'm not going to claim it as my own. And that's one of the things where in the group that I'm a part of, a lot of individuals or a few individuals were really upset with me, and which sparked this idea of this conversation on the podcast because I'm not going to blast them. But I just thought it was interesting because they're like, I'll be I'll be damned if someone tell me I'm not African-American. And I was like, well, where were you, who, where, where's your ancestry from? And they're like, oh, oh, I was descended from slaves. Okay. Can you tell me where they come from? Africa. Specifically, where? Yeah. I mean, are they from Nigeria? Are you, um, you're Uruba. Uh, what was the other group? Um, there's, Yebo? There's, there's several. I Yebo mean, and three. Yoruba, I think, are the yeah, two the, biggest. Yeah, the two biggest groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you? Okay, in, in Nigeria. Okay, like are you a Nubian? Are you a um? You know, I started going Nubian through. Nubian from uh, southern Egypt and was that northern Sudan? Yeah, northern mm-hmm. Sudan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so what? I mean, what are you? I mean, Ethiopian. Are you Ethiopian? Eritrean. Are you Somali? Or all the other? I mean, there's there's just so many ethnic groups in Africa. We just you know we we see again because we're not African American. We can't go through. <laughs> <laughs> the list um, but for our african-american listeners uh maybe you can contribute and give us more information about that because again you know we're just learning we're still learning and and this is one of the biggest issues so it was just starting to get really heated in the group i was talking to because they were like well what are you trying to say are you trying to say we're not african and i said that's exactly well. what i'm saying <laughs> Are you from Africa? Can you, I mean, a true African-American would be someone, I had a friend whose father was born in Sudan, who migrated to America. Mm -hmm. He got married, had kids. Those kids have direct ties to Sudan. They were born in America and raised in America, but they are actually African-Americans. And more specifically, Sudanese-Americans. Yes. And... This is what I was trying to explain, and no one wanted to hear that. And I was mm-hmm. like, but if you've been in America for generations, I'm not saying, like, if he was, if he, if he never went back to Sudan, and he had generations after, of descendants, mm-hmm. and they never went back to Africa, they only lived in Oakland, mm-hmm. then they don't have that direct connection at to so, Sudan. At some point, you, you kind of stop being an african-american and i mean you're probably gonna be mixed you know with other uh someone who's who's not a sudanese american or whatever and then descendant it gets all mixed up and then pretty sure you know and that's what i was trying to and and long story short that's what i was trying to explain and that was the crux for black americans because we're actually the first mixed group if you're thinking about the slave trade and the different ethnic groups that were involved in the slave trade yes so then we're kind of the 
original mixed Americans. I don't know if we're the original mixed. Oh, well, I'm, I mean, what I mean by original, I'm not saying number one, but I mean like you're. We go back. Yeah, you, we go way back. You're in the beginning stages of it. Right, right. And Trevor Noah had a really, uh, just quickly, a really funny um, joke about that. If you ever uh, look this up, and you know, I think it's like he he gets Trevor Noah gets to be black or something like this, and he was discussing like you know because he's from South Africa. And so he definitely has an African identity. And uh, he was saying that, you know, they don't they don't have black, you know, basically. And then there's a lot of people that we say are famous black Americans who are actually of mixed race. But that didn't seem to matter uh, so much, you know, nowadays, which is true. Cause we, we always forget that, yes, Obama truly was an African-American president, but he was also mixed race. But at the end of the day, he's just black, you know, and that that's just how it boils down in the end. Once you get mixed up, you're just black. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, on that note, I guess that concludes this podcast. And it's it's been fun. It's been real. And as I'm closing this out, if you want to contact us, you can always email us at friendlyfire or ff at crusade.net. You can always come to the website and leave a response at crusade.net on the podcast page. We will always respond to you. And please, if you enjoy our podcast, give us a rating. Give us a message on in, on uh, inside the, the inside a Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, mm-hmm. or any uh, Stitcher, yeah. or any other podcast, iHeartRadio, whatever right. your podcast tool. If you have any suggestions too for shows you like us to do or topics you like to, us to talk about, we sure will. We got a lot of experience. So until next time, I am your girl Jamise. And I am your boy, Jim. Oh. <laughs> well. I am your boy, Khalid. <laughs> Someone's trying to take my identity, y'all. See you next time. Bye.